You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Uh, Good morning. Hi, good morning. Hey, welcome to our Sunday gathering here at Redeemer. Uh, My name is Tyler, and I'm one of our pastors, and I'm thankful to be with you this morning. Um, For the last seven weeks, we've been walking through a series called In the Storm that's focused on the various storms that you and I face in our lives. Storms like disappointment and depression, anxiety and fear, loss and grief, failure and shame, and sin and suffering. And when these storms come, we often feel alone. But no matter how dark the clouds may seem or the strong winds may be, there is hope through Jesus and that we can run to him and not from him. See, this series has been such a help and a joy to walk through for me personally, and I hope you've experienced the same thing over these last seven weeks. I mean, our very first week, Jordan asked us, he called us to feel our feels, and I'm definitely doing that this morning. I'm humbled to be able to wrap up this series, to follow such great speakers, and to follow on such needed topics for the church to cover. But today, as we wrap up, our question is, now what? Now that we've walked through these different storms in our lives, what do we do now? How do we go forward? See, it's my hope that we keep this from being just a one and done sermon series. It's my hope that we do not only address this in word, but not in deed. I hope that we can begin living these things out that we're going to walk through today that will dramatically and radically alter how we care for ourselves and care for one another. See, we're going to look at what it means to be a community of care as we face these different storms. So what does this mean for us as a church, for the people of Redeemer? And I want to first say this morning that it is our hope that Redeemer is a safe, hopeful place for those who are struggling and who are in the midst of transformation because we are all there. At different seasons of your life, in my life, we will struggle and we are being renewed each and every morning by God's grace. And we need each other And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on three very specific areas. And so first, that's why the church should care. Secondly, why we struggle to care. And thirdly, what does this even look like caring for ourselves and others? Like, how do we do that practically? So as we begin this morning, will you you pray with me? Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. We need you to show us how to love one another the way you call us to. We need you to help give balance to our lives in a world of chaos that tells us to care only for ourselves. God, make us a people who can first care for ourselves because of your love and through the help of other believers, 
but also help us be a people who can care for one another from what we see in your scriptures. So we pray for today. We pray that people feel encouraged and empowered to live out their identity that you've given them. In your name we pray, amen. So this morning as we begin, we're going to start talking about is why the church should even care, what this even means for a people. See, we should be a place of care. We ought to be a place of care because of our, of its, the church should be because of its passion for Jesus and its love for others. See, the church throughout time and will continue to be has been cared for. See, the church's helpfulness, its care for others starts with its need for care. <clears throat> the church needs God and others. See, as people, we are relational emotional beings. The church wants to care because God cares deeply about each, each one of us. First Peter 5, 7 tells us that. He says that we can cast our anxieties on him because he cares for you. See, the church should love others for the same reason, because as it says in 1 John 4, 19, that God first loved us so that we can love. See, the church is reminded of this fact over and over throughout the scriptures. Because as you begin to look and explore the scriptures, you'll begin to see how God has cared for his people throughout the Old and the New Testament and will continue to care for his people. At our house, we say this a lot, that God has provided for us thus far. It's not going to stop now. It just may not look the way we think it should look but he's going to care. But we need to remind ourselves the stories of how God has cared, of what he has done. So this morning, if you have your Bibles and it'll be on the screen behind me, if you'll turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter five. And we're gonna start in verse 11, going through verse 14. But as you turn there, the first, I want you to consider this, that the first reason that the church should care is because of our love and passion for Jesus. And the second reason is because it's a part of our identity. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Ed Welch, a, a biblical counselor, uh, says this on care. He says that our calling is to care for each other's souls. We want to bring our struggles to the Lord and to each other so that the church can be strengthened and the world can witness wisdom and love. See, this specific cultural moment tells you to look out for your only interest, to do what's good for you. But see, the church is called to something much greater. It is called to a life of caring for one another. See, this is why we should care, because it's our identity. And as part of that identity, we need to do it with humility and gentleness, something that seems like it's a lost art in our culture today. 
We are called to be patient. We are called to bear with one another, to be kind. The church is called to walk alongside one another when things become difficult and not easy. But why can we do this? Why can we be humble and gentle and give grace? Because we know of our standing in Christ if you are a follower of Jesus. It's because you're adopted. You are redeemed. You see this in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, when Paul reminds the church in Galatia of their adoption. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then heir through God. See, we should care. The church should care, first, because of our passion for Jesus. Secondly, because of our identity. And thirdly, because we're designed to be a community of care. That when the suffering of life hits, when we wander off, when you struggle, when you hurt, that the church will patiently love you in such a way that helps you stand where in the past it would have crushed you. See, and what this means is not only worshiping together on a Sunday morning like we are now, which is very important though, but it also means that we are a community that cares and guides and shepherds one another through real life relationships through walking together Monday through Saturday. See, God's means of keeping the church in the faith is by the church both gathering together around the word as a mean of grace and also living in relationship with each other beyond Sunday. See, when the church cares, it has an opportunity to tell a beautiful story, the story of how biblical hope shapes everything that it does that it guides everything that it does. The hope the church has in Christ reorients how we interpret this world and how we live. The hope found in the promise of God not only informs informs us, but also transforms how the church identifies with others, the community, and itself. Now, this does not mean, though, that the world will stop being full of chaos but it does give balance to that chaos. So if the scriptures tell us why the church should care, the question arises then is why do we struggle to care? Like what is our struggle with this? See, I mentioned a moment ago about this world in chaos. And see, that's what causes us to struggle to care for others, but also ourselves. Although the scriptures are full of stories of how the church has seen care, I want you to ask yourself, what stories were playing in your mind, though? See, think about stories for a moment. For some people, a good story is a, a good book or a good podcast or a good play or a good movie. See, what's, what's your favorite story? Think about that for a moment. Whatever it is, what, what is that story? Can you rehearse it? Can you recite it word by word? Does it give you joy? See, as a child, my favorite story was a book called Pop Fly. Okay? 
Pop Fly was a kid's book about a grandfather fly who teaches his grandson how to play baseball, hence the term Pop Fly. I loved that book. I could read it back and forth. I had it memorized, not even where I'm old now, but back then I had it memorized. I loved every part of that book. But in the years since, I lost the book. Um, I probably put it away or threw it away. You can ask my wife. I have a tendency to throw too many things away too quickly. I'm not nostalgic. I don't hang on to things, and so I should have. But I got rid of it. And I've looked through countless bookstores in the years since, in secondhand bookstores and garage sales, and I can't find it. So if you come upon Popfly, <laughs> it's blue, has a little grandpa fly on the front. I'll pay you for it and a finder's fee. So just let me know. But see, stories can be great. They can evoke emotions of wonder or excitement. But also for all the good that stories can do, they also can have a dark side. These are the stories that we tell ourselves a lot, that we probably rehearse the most. And they're not true. But you hear them enough that we believe them the most. We begin to believe them so much that we begin to believe that they're part of our identity that we begin to trade our Genesis 2 made in the image of God, Imago Dei identity, and we replace it with something untrue, something we've convinced ourselves of. See, we're often surrounded by a less than biblical chatter at our core, and these messages are everywhere. These messages typically attempt to undermine the extent of the Lord's love or your need for him. Thing, these messages sometimes say things like, you're not good enough. No wonder you have so many hardships in your life. You better believe more. You better pray more. You have to work harder. These stories we hear a lot. You may even hear them this morning. But if we're honest with ourselves, often, more often than not, we feel insecure. Those who hide it best often feel it the most. But see, what insecurity is, it's an invitation from God to escape the danger of false belief about who we think we are. See, we have shame that tells us I'm broken. We have guilt that tells us I've done things wrong. And fear, which is a byproduct of shame, all the way since the garden. See, we're fearful of being found out of who we really are. We ask ourselves, how could I care for someone if they only knew who I really was? If they only knew my questions or my doubts or my fears? I battle those same things all the time, and I get to do counseling all the time, and I think if they knew my real thoughts, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't want to listen to my counsel. See, we are prone, I am prone, you are prone, we are prone to ignore the gospel, harden our hearts, and isolate ourselves from God and others. And because of sin, we are a wayward, wounded, and selfish people. And it makes more sense for us to be inward-focused. And we believe the lie that we only need to take care of ourselves, that we can be self-reliant, and that we don't have time for others. And that maybe if there's a little bit extra, we'll give it away. So this morning, when we think about struggling to care, I want you to consider where your hope is placed. 
What promise does your heart long to see fulfilled? To give you security, to give you satisfaction. And how does that define your story? And I'm going to tell you right now, the only hope that we have is not found in something, or, but it's found in someone, in Jesus Christ. And that hope will never fail. That will never leave you feeling less than. We don't have to be afraid to care because of this hope that we have in Jesus. We don't have to be afraid of the false stories that we've told ourselves. Because here's what is true. I want to tell you that this morning. What is true about you is if you are a follower of Jesus, you are beloved and adopted child of a king. That God confidently, uh, sorry, invites you confidently to face your fears about life and the worst things about ourselves, and that we can trust solely in His righteousness and His promise as our Father. And that we have great security in that. See, Colossians 2 13 and 14 even says that we were dead, but now we are alive. Like, what a gift. That's why we, we don't have to be afraid to care, to struggle to care. But see, also, we struggle to care at times, not just because of what we believe about ourselves, but because it's just hard. Like it's, just, it's difficult at times. And it can feel draining. At certain times, we want to care for others, but life gets in the way. Family challenges, marriage conflict, job stress, dissatisfaction simply fills us exhausted and worn out. See, how can we care for others if we struggle to care for ourselves. And to make matters even difficult, how can a church tell me how to care if I have struggled, if you have struggled with the idea of a church being a caring place? Because maybe a church hasn't cared for you well in the past. And I'm sorry. We want to care for you. And if, it's even, if that place has been redeemer... I'm sorry, we want to care for you. We want you to know that that's hard and that we see that and we want to walk with you. We want to walk alongside you. You are not alone. You are valued. You are appreciated. And I want to say this this morning, that know that God loves you fully right now. He doesn't love some future version of you better than what he loves right now. He's not saying, hey, when you get to this place, I'm going to love you more. No, he loves you fully right now where you are. See, it can be a struggle to care when we, when we believe that God does not care and that people do not care. But it can also be a struggle to care, though, when we don't let people care for us. See, but if we know that why the church should care, and we're aware of our struggles in caring, then the, question, the next question turns to, then how do we practically even do this? What does this even look like for a busy people in a hectic culture? Because a loving pursuit of others is not natural or easy for us. So care, for us to do this, we have to remember that care is a community endeavor. It means something that we want each one of us to be participating in together. You hear the term around here a lot, a gospel-centered people. Part of being a gospel-centered people means being a caring community. 
But that means actively engaging in care, not only for others, but also in care for yourself. See, this can be a complex thing, though. Like these topics we've walked through the last several weeks are messy and hard. We get that. Because often, though, we're willing to care, but we don't want to receive it. We want to shy away from care. We want to act like everything is great. See, we struggle to receive care, to let others care for us, because we feel shame or sadness, or at times you may even feel like you're a burden to someone. You are not a burden to someone. The church wants to care for you. We want to care for you. This care is good. People want to know you, but they want you to know them as well. So let's look back at 1 Thessalonians again. Back at chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. So look at verse 11 there. It says, to therefore encourage one another, to build one another up. See, caring for others means caring for yourself and asking for help. See, to care for others, you have to be cared for. And we want to be in that process with you. And so as we look at, okay, how do we care for others? I want to let you know how you can help receive care for yourself here at Redeemer. We have three very accessible ways that we really want you to take part in. First, we have gospel communities where you can be known and find family and be pointed to Jesus by fellow brothers and sisters who are doing this together, who need you involved in their lives. Secondly, we have pastors who want to know your story and walk with you. It is a joy for us to get to do this. So please do not hesitate in asking to receive care for yourself. And then lastly, we get to offer biblical counseling that I get to help lead out on, and I'm so very thankful for. We strongly believe in biblical counseling. You are not broken if you need counseling. We all need counseling. The counselor needs counseling. Like, we need this together. We believe so strongly that we, we use our yearly budget to fund it. We want to provide many, as many resources and opportunities to help you receive care. Because we know it's difficult to care for others when you're struggling to be cared for and you're struggling internally. So no, we want to help. So when it comes to caring, though, for others or yourself, though the answer is always the gospel, we also know that there is no single-size, one-fits-all approach to it. See, to keep us from being overly simplistic, we need spirit-led discernment to help us slow down so we can help patiently and wisely. That when we come into a situation, personally or with others, that we can practically do these three areas. And pastors love, you know, three points that all sound the same. So we have three E's for you this morning, okay? So first, we want you to, we want you to enter, explore, and encourage. 
So first, to help care for yourself and care for others, we want you to enter. See, we must be a people who enter into the lives of one another and let others into in, enter into our lives. See, consider for a moment how Jesus moves toward people and not away. We can do the same. See, to allow yourself to be cared for, you need to allow people to know you, to know your story, to move towards you, because people want to know you. See, to care for others, that means to walk with them in the days and weeks and months of difficulty and struggle, to bear burdens and to walk alongside one another, as Galatians 6.2 says. See, the Lord is pleased to use ordinary people through ordinary acts of love to be the contributors to the maturing of his people. See, we are all involved in this work. So we need to pay attention to needs, the needs of yourself, but also the needs of others. And how do we do this? We do this by showing up every day to care for our spouses, our kids, our neighbors, our coworkers, for our friends. But we do this as a learner and a helper, not as a fixer. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard someone come to me and say, Tyler, I felt so cared for by this person just because they were there, just because they were in my life. So let me ask you this. How can you use your time well? How can you use your space well? How can you let people enter into your life? Or how can you enter into the lives of someone else? Maybe it's something as simple as inviting someone over for dinner to share. Maybe it's watching their kids for them while they go to an appointment. Maybe it's even opening up your home to have someone live with you. Begin to try to reorient your life around being a person who lets people enter and enters into the life of others. So first, we enter. Secondly, we explore. We must be a people who explore. We are active listeners and great, great question askers. We listen, we listen with intentionality. I want you to ask yourself this morning, Am I a compassionate listener? Am I willing to slow down, to sit down, and to come down to humbly serve others by listening to them? See, the ministry of listening will not be seen or publicly praised, but it is vital to loving people today. See, to care for yourself, do you allow others to hear you? Do you let them know what you need? Do you share? Do you recognize that your words have value and that people desperately want to know you? See, people want to help you, but cannot help if they do not know how to help. I hear a lot in counseling, I hear people say, you know, Tyler, like, I, I, I just, I struggle with this and, and no one helped me and I just don't understand, like, am I not loved? And I always ask them, well, did you share with them about it? And we'll often hear no. And so I'll say, how can, like, how can your pastors, how can people help you if you don't let them know what you need? We need to be a people who explore. See, we need to listen intently 
And often, if we, th- if we really are honest, we don't always intently listen. See, when someone's talking to us, we often listen enough to give a question from what they're saying. And then once we get that question, we shut off what they're saying and we just wait to speak until they quit talking. And then we give that question and then that question feels flat and hollow. It's because we've realized we didn't address the true need. We just addressed a surface level issue. Let's listen how Jesus listened. Not only the words, but the heart of the person who is speaking. That doesn't happen over a day or so. It happens by intently listening. See, Jesus knows our name. He knows our family. He knows what feels like the irrelevant details about us. And we can do the same with others. Listen and listen well, but be okay with a pause after listening before you speak. It's not only do we explore by listening, but we also explore by asking good questions. Things like, I hear you saying this. Is this what you mean? Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Be curious about others. This means we ask meaningful questions. We are to be a people of curiosity. Um, There's a show that I love right now, and my favorite quote from that show um, is, Be curious, not judgmental. Let that be true of us. Ask a lot. People are not often asked questions about themselves. Be the person that does. And not just shallow questions like, how are you? What what you up to these days? But ask meaningful questions like, how's your heart? How's your marriage? What have you seen God doing in and around you recently? Where are you right now? See, we might hear things once they speak worth celebrating with them, and we might hear things worth grieving with them. Regularly ask questions by checking in with each other. See, we explore by knowing each other. See, I'm becoming increasingly confident um, in this day and age that when someone comes to our mind during the day, that's the Spirit prompting us to reach out for them, to speak to them or pray or pray for them. Because naturally, like I said earlier, we're a inwardly focused people. So when someone else comes to our mind, that's the Spirit doing something with that. So I encourage you to reach out to them. Ask them questions. See, when we actively listen with intent, it'll change how we ask questions. See, to let someone care for you, though, let them ask you questions. And when they do, be honest. Be truthful. Don't say words like, I'm fine. We used to joke that fine stood for frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Okay? Don't say I'm fine. Tell them. Share with them. Have people in your life who are walking with you who can ask you good questions. So lastly, we enter, we explore, and lastly, we encourage. Encouragement is desperately needed and often missed in our care. How do you receive encouragement? How do you give encouragement? So we can often show up and listen, and, but are often left unsure how to speak. We need to be aware that our emotions can drive our behavior and impact people positively and negatively. And we need to learn how to manage these emotions, both of others and our own. Consider how you encourage. Consider the form and the tone of what you say. I can't tell you how many times people will not receive well what you're saying because of your tone. 
Consider how you encourage. Consider the things that you say. Speaking the truth in love to someone does not mean unloading all the truth that you have in that very moment. That means give them enough just for the moment. Be patient and gracious with people. Remind others of God's comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4 say this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God's comfort is better than any comfort that we can give. We can be reminded and draw hope from the fact that Christ gives us everything that we need to accomplish these things. In my role as a counselor, people will often let me enter into their life and often let me explore and ask them questions, but they often won't let you encourage because they're so convinced of whatever story that they believe about themselves that they are set that then that's how it is. So are you a person who receives encouragement? How can you today let someone encourage you? How can you receive that? Who can you encourage today? Who needs to hear a word of comfort from you, especially those who you are surrounded by daily? We all need comfort. We all need encouragement. So let's not be shy in giving it. So this morning, as we close, we consider how we enter how we explore, and how we encourage. See, we've set out to do this, this work of ministry that is essential to a fully functioning church. And we set out to do this with all humility and gentleness. We do this by taking small steps, being a little more alert in everyday conversations, that we move toward people knowing and seeing good things, bearing burdens, and praying for and praying with. So I want to close this morning by asking you to consider how the Spirit may be leading you to grow in your care for others. Maybe you need to ask the Spirit who you need to enter into the life of, who, to be, who you need to be a consistent, faithful presence for, who you need to use your time and space well with. Maybe it's exploring and learning to listen really well and asking really, really good questions. Or maybe it's just simply being a person of encouragement. Or possibly, after sitting through these weeks of this In the Storm series, you're realizing that you need someone to care for you, that you've not been cared for. Let us come alongside you in that. Let us come alongside and support you in that. Let us know your needs. Let us know how we can help. Because we want to. This place wants to care for you and care for you well, no matter where you are in your journey. No matter if you've been walking with Jesus for 20 years or you're still asking questions about who this Jesus guy is, we want to come alongside and we want to care for you. And that kind of conversation can start this morning. So in a moment, there'll be people at the back. If you want to talk with them, do that. Begin that conversation. If you want to come up here and pray, do that. We want to care for you, but we want you also to care for each other. Every person in the body being a community of care with wisdom and patience for the good of the church and the glory of Jesus. Let's pray.
Jesus, we ask you that you will make us, help us become a people of care. Help us become a community that cares desperately for one another, that we enter into the lives of each other, that we explore by asking good questions and listening really well, and that we are a people of encouragement. But Jesus, we also ask you that you will remind us of our need to be cared for, that you will empower with us with confidence to know that we are not a burden, we are not a drain, but people want to care for us. And so we ask that you even prompt us this morning to begin confessing our needs for care to one another. So we thank you, though, how you provide, how you give to us in each and every area. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.